When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Hey Mary Kay from Cleveland.com here on the Orange Brown Talk Podcast. Doug Lamarice with the great Mary Kay Cabot. Bunch of questions from our Browns insiders that we are going to run through. Uh, fullback question, quarterback questions, Chris Hubbard question, uh, receiver questions, Austin Hooper, David and Joku questions. But Mary Kay, let's start off after we record this late Monday afternoon for Tuesday morning with the breaking news that the NFL has suspended. Atlanta receiver Calvin Ridley for the entire 2022 season for betting on NFL games last year as people scavenge the world looking for receivers that might interest the Browns either in trade and free agency or the draft. Calvin Ridley was a name that floated out there just because it seemed like he would be available. Is, is this a guy that maybe if he wasn't suspended could have been out there for the Browns or not really? Well, I was the one that, uh, you know, for us had been kind of floating it out there that he would be an intriguing prospect in the event they could be sure uh, that he had sufficiently handled his mental wellness and, you know, was back in good standing and in a good place emotionally. And uh, he left the Falcons last year for, for a period of time to deal with his mental wellness. Well, now we find out while he was away, he was gambling on NFL games. Uh, and so this is a player that the Browns probably would have been interested in had he not done this. But I will tell you that as of last week, when I was doing all my due diligence on prospective free agents, Browns free agents and trades and all the things that could happen, I knew last week uh, that, that he was not a possibility for them. I wasn't sure why. I asked around more at the Combine. I didn't know exactly what the deal was, but I knew that they were off the scent uh, as of last week and really not tossing their hat into that ring. So this comes as no surprise to them. They knew about it, obviously. And, uh, you know, and who knows if this gambling on NFL games uh, may not have been tied to his mental wellness issues. So, of course, here's hoping right now, uh, as we always do in these situations, that the player gets the help that he needs and gets well. That's always first and foremost. But a name off the board for a receiver, possibly for the Cleveland Browns. All right. And another move that happens, and you guys can go back, listen to our Monday pod that went out Monday afternoon. Mary Kay covered the franchise tag on David and Joku. We'll get into a little more specifics of that. But Andy Janovich, not going to be a Cleveland Brown anymore, anymore now, right? The fullback. This goes with a question from Dave Burroughs in Texas. Do you think the Browns should look for a fullback good enough to run plays on his own as well be out there in short yardage situations? Seems like an easy way to add depth to the running back room. Dave's wanting to add fullback. No Andy Janovich. Is this a sign that the Browns are getting away from fullbacks, Mary Kay, and maybe just, you know, if we need to put a tight end in the backfield as a lead blocker every now and then, we can do that, but we're not going to use a roster spot on a fullback. 
Well, as of right now, they still have Johnny Stanton uh, around as a fullback for them. And he's somebody that if they decide to go with the traditional fullback or use a fullback more next season, they can have Johnny Stanton on the roster. Johnny can also play a little bit of tight end, maybe H back and uh, do some multiple things. So that's something that they could uh, try to do. And he can also play special teams, which is important. If you're going to play that kind of a position, you've got to be able to play special teams. So I think there will be a role for a guy like that, and it will probably be Johnny. Okay. The David Njoku move was a big one. We did about five minutes on it the, on the Monday pod. But there's more you can sort of glean from what that move means. This is Rich Smith in Columbus. Does franchising David Njoku indicate that the Browns are serious about upgrading their receiving core? If so, does the Njoku retention point to the Browns targeting a top receiver such as Mike Williams? Mary Kay, all these pieces fit together, right? Do you take this, I guess on one hand, you could say, oh, well, they're keeping David Njoku. They want to throw the ball to him more. Maybe they won't put as much into receiver. Or you could say, hey, they're not letting this guy get out the door and they're going to add, it is a sign of like, we got to throw the ball better. What, What do you glean from the Njoku move that tells us something about the offensive plan as a whole? Well, I think the offensive plan as a whole, as we know, is to significantly upgrade the passing game and get it where they need it to be. And of course we know that tight ends are important in Kevin Stefanski's offense and they love David Njoku. I think they feel that David Njoku is capable of more production. I've been saying that for a long time too. I really believe that he's capable of more. And I think this moves him into the number one tight end role. Certainly he is that from a a salary standpoint right now, he's a little bit above uh, Austin Hooper in terms of average for next year. And if they, ultimately settle upon a long-term contract, he could be significantly ahead of Austin Hooper. And usually your playing time and your status on the team or the depth chart is tied to your salary. So I think he's going to become the number one tight end for them in 2022. Uh, And as far as the the receiving core, I don't think it changes much for that. I, I think this is kind of a modest commitment. I mean, $12 million a year, is a lot, but they paid him $6 million last year. So it's not, you know, that much over and above They're paying. They'll probably pay him another six, $7 million more than they did last year in the grand scheme of things. That's not huge. So I do think that, um, that they will still significantly upgrade the receiving core. I think they'll do that with at least two starting caliber receivers, one speedy X, and then another, some probably maybe a little bit of a different type of receiver, but uh, you will see, a continuing commitment to the passing game. Hey, Mary Kay from Ken in Newberry Park, California. I like these questions, Mary Kay, because sometimes the specifics of how all this NFL stuff works even confuses me. How much will the Browns be obligated to pay David Njoku now that he is tagged? Just a refresher. Can you just remind people what the money is, how they figure out what money you get when you get franchise tagged like this? Uh, Yes, the franchise number is the average of the top five players at his position. And so the franchise tag right now is uh, 10.8. Let me make sure it's the top five and not the top 10. Um, But the the projected number for 2022 for him is 10.84 million dollars or something very close to that, but that's how they arrive at that. And, um, and that's basically where they will be uh, for 2022, which makes him um, 
it puts him in the upper echelon of, of tight ends in the NFL, but they are trying to work out a contract that would make him one of the top paid, like one of the top five paid tight ends in the NFL. So, um, so that's, that's interesting when you think about it, because his production to this point has not matched up with, you know, the Mark Andrews and the George Kittles and the Travis Kelsey's. I mean, he hasn't been there. So it's, it's very interesting that they're willing to throw all this money at David Njoku and try to keep him uh, at a level that, you know, that you would pay some of these multiple pro bowl star tight ends. So, uh, you know, he's going to have to put his money where his production is from here on out and, and really try to become one of those type of guys. I'm going to couple this question with that, Mary Kay, because, again, it is a little bit of a logistics question from the 636 in Frisco, Texas. Hey, Mary Kay, with David and Joku being franchise tendered, is there a trade market for Austin Hooper? If so, who are some of the potential suitors? Having more than $21 million of the cap devoted to tight end seems untenable with the aspirations to remake the receiver core. Thank you, MKC. And Mary Kay, one of the things that I want to ask about here, because again, I get confused about this. It's like a, if they would get off of Austin Hooper now on the, the websites where you can look this stuff up, it's like an $11 million hit of dead cap. But if they wait until after June 1st, it would only be like three and a half million of a dead cap hit. Can you explain the logistics of this? What's the difference there and how realistic it may or may not be? for Austin Hooper to not be on this roster in 2022? Well, if, you're right. If they wait, if they do it now, their cap hit would be, they would have to eat over $11 million right now, 11 two or something like that. Um, if they wait until after June 1st to trade or cut him, they could defer seven and a half million dollars of that cap hit to 2023 so that they're not eating that whole big, huge amount this year. Uh, so June 1st is a, is a date to circle on the calendar with Austin Hooper. And, uh, you know, something could happen with him at that point. Now, if I were Austin Hooper and his agent right now, you know, I would probably be having a conversation and they probably had it at the combine. I would be having a conversation about the Browns, about what are their intentions with him? How do they see his role? I mean, look, his production was down significantly last year from what it was. It was like half the production that he had when he was a pro bowler in Atlanta. And so if I'm his agent and if I'm Austin Hooper, I'm probably trying to go somewhere uh, where I think I'm going to get the ball more and he will probably get it less now that David Njoku will be the number one tight end. So, uh, so this is definitely something to keep an eye on. But in general, I mean, so they'd have to eat the whole 11 million one way or the other if they mm. got off of him. It just is when they do they eat some now and some in 23, do they eat it all now? Is he more valuable? Just, I mean, it's like, all right, well, they're paying him. Just right. keep him around and have him be the number two tight end. Is that a better option? Or would he be a candidate? Would he be open to a restructuring of his contract in some way? Or do you think he wouldn't go for that? No, he, he might be open to a restructuring uh, of his contract. Um, I would think, you know, knowing that your role has changed and, you know, if, if you like where you are and you, you know, you have a, a, a good situation, I suppose he might be open to something like that. Um, but the thing with Austin Hooper here is that he has not worked out from a chemistry standpoint with Baker Mayfield at all. It's not a match. And Austin Hooper is not flourishing and thriving 
in a Cleveland Browns uniform. Now, we, I talked to some people at the combine that said, you know, you don't always see his contributions. He is, you know, doing things on that field, you know, from a blocking standpoint, and he's still grading out really high and playing really, really well. And he's very valuable to us. That's, that's what I was told by, uh, by someone over the weekend. But, you know, that's a lot. That's still a lot of money. Ten and a half million dollar average. It's still a lot of money to pay someone, uh, you know, to kind of be more of a, a role player or a blocking. That's that is starting tight end money. That's number one tight end money. So not really sure how they're going to view it, because obviously in this scheme, uh, multiple tight ends are important in a lot of schemes. One is enough. But here, two good ones are required. So maybe they will just go ahead and pay it, not worry about the money all that much, trim elsewhere, which they still are, are going to do over the next couple of weeks, and, uh, and just keep it going for another season. So we'll, we'll have to see, because if the player sort of demands a trade, then that might force their hand a bit. Along the same lines of this, this is Robert Seltzer in El Paso. Hey, Mary Kay, what are the chances that other players besides Jack Conklin will restructure their contracts? Aside from being a great player, Tom uh, Brady was great because he was willing to sacrifice millions for the benefit of his team. He was never a pauper, but it still said a lot about his selflessness. I hope other Browns players are willing to take that route this year. Are there other candidates here in Brady? Like sort of that was like a storyline that happened a lot. He also makes a million gazillion dollars from TV 12 and his wife is a super famous model and she makes a ton of money. He can give up a couple million. I don't know how many guys are walking around being like, I'll get my money away to make the team better. Who else is a candidate for restructure here for the Browns? Well, first and foremost, it's Jarvis Landry. Uh, Jarvis Landry is set to make uh, $16.37 million in 2022. And we all know that's not going to happen. So they did meet at the combine with his rep and, uh, and they at least maybe laid the groundwork or the framework for what could be a restructuring. I don't know the outcome of that meeting yet. Uh, been trying to figure it out, but uh, as of right now, I don't know if Jarvis is willing to accept a restructuring. Now, sometimes it's not that uh, bitter of a pill to swallow uh, because it can come with some guaranteed money that you don't have now. So it's not always as bad as it seems. Sometimes it's just, you're taking a pay cut. Uh, other times it's, you're taking a pay cut, you're getting guaranteed money and incentives to make back some of what you lost. So it's all in how it's presented. And, uh, and we'll just have to see where that goes. But I think we probably will know over the next, uh, I would say over the next couple of days, really, uh, sometime within the next four or five days, we should know the answer to that. And the same thing with Case Keenum. Uh, Case Keenum is someone who is due to make a cap hit of about $8.4 million, I think it is. And uh, he, he's another player that, you know, if, if he wants to stick around, they might talk to him about shaving a, a little bit of money off that and just seeing what they can't do. So, uh, so these are all things that are in the works, all things that have been discussed. And I don't know if they approached Case about a contract restructure. I do know that they did have a conversation with his reps in Indy just about his future and where things might go. And I don't think there was a definitive answer on it yet. We will take a quick break here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Come back with more Hey Mary Kay after this. Doug Lane Reese back with Mary Kay Cabot. A couple more players uh, people are curious about Mary Kay. Hey Mary Kay from the 440. What do they think about the status of Chris Hubbard? Do you expect him? Obviously missed so much of, of last year with the injury. Do you expect him back? 
you know, Chris Hubbard, such an important position, that swing tackle position. They found that out last year when they had injuries to both of their tackles. Um, so Hubbard, he, he's coming off surgery to repair a torn triceps. He's making very nice progress in his recovery from surgery. And the Browns would like to have him back. So they are working on, uh, on trying to re-sign Chris Hubbard. He's, he's about to become a free agent. But the plan is to try to re-sign him. All right. Showing even more how I don't really understand contracts in the NFL. Hey, Mary Kay from the 631. Why didn't the Browns tender Dearness Johnson? This is from Gary in Long Island. Like, what, where does Dearness Johnson fit in here? What are they doing or not doing with his contract right now, Mary Kay? There is a distinction between your restricted free agents and your exclusive rights free agents. So when the Browns today tendered three exclusive rights free agents in Jamarcus Bradley, Michael Dunn, and Blake Hance, those guys were your exclusive rights free agents. And also in that category was Malik McDowell, and they did not tender Malik McDowell today. They're going to let Malik McDowell go work on his emotional issues. They, they, they are not bringing him back to the football team, and they did, they did not tender him. But the restricted free agents include Stephen Carlson, Porter Gustin, Dearness Johnson, Chase McLaughlin, and Nick Mullins. They haven't tendered those guys yet, so that, that will still be to come. Chase McLaughlin. On pins well, and not, needles. And not, I'm, I'm just saying that the, that group. No, 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 no. People want to earnest. Nobody's asking a question about, are they going to tender Chase McLaughlin? Right. Nobody but they, they'll, tender. they'll tender, they'll tender Dearness Johnson. Okay. So that, 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 that's a good answer to that question. Again, I don't know what you're talking about. That's Restricted okay. this, unrestricted <laughs> that. That's why you're here, Mary Kay. This yeah. is like math. This is the calculus of the NFL, that if you're going to be uh, one of the best NFL beat writers in the country, you got to know the calculus, too. It's not just the football. It's not just the relationships. So thank you for explaining that, because I know there are people. I don't know if people get embarrassed sometimes. It's like, do you talk about restricted free agents with your friends who are football fans, listeners? Maybe you do. We're not expecting you to understand all of this. Mary Kay gets paid to know this stuff. So thank you, Mary Kay, for explaining that. Mm-hmm. This one is when we're going to table. This is from loyal Browns fan Hugh Hewitt, who says, hey, Mary Kay. The gang talked about Kevin Stefanski and Anthony Schwartz and the capacity to learn. Could you review past drafts and rank the players on that elusive concept? And he goes a little more into that. And Hugh, that is such an interesting idea that we are going to table that because that is not an off the top of your head kind of thing. We'll maybe try to have a capacity to learn podcast. Who were some good examples of this uh, in recent Browns past where guys, their mental acuity really got the Browns interested in them and then how they turned out as players. So Mary Kay, like you're intrigued by that concept, are you not? Oh, I really am. And we talked about this, you know, in regards to Anthony Schwartz. And as, you know, as you actually brought up and were intrigued by uh, Kevin Stefanski talking about how well he did on the Zoom. This is a very, very smart organization. It's a smart front office. They value uh, that sort of thing. They really care about a guy's ability to process information uh, and, and it matters to them. They want a very, very smart football team. They want guys out on the football field that, uh, that know where to be. They want them to be able to handle uh, complex schemes and, uh, you know, just the, to be able to grasp the entire playbook, to pick it up very quickly. Uh, they want that in all of their players. So that's such a plus with them. And then it goes along again with, you know, the smart, tough, accountable 
And it also is in line or aligned with a front office that is full of, you know, Ivy League, really brilliant guys and gals. I mean, it's like, this is a smart organization and they want players like that. So yes, I think it's something to, uh, to explore. And you see that as a common denominator. And again, I did see it in Anthony Schwartz's ability to go out and to be able to function when he didn't have any kind of an off season, any kind of uh, training camp or anything like that. And he did some, some nice things in camp and on the football field uh, in the limited opportunities that he had. And we've seen it in other players. I mean, the minute Grant Delpit goes out and plays, I mean, he was, he was a rookie basically this year, but he went out and played some smart football very early on. Uh, you know, you see it, it's a common denominator. It runs through the whole team. You see it in JOK. You see it in Greg Newsome. Uh, and, and I just think that it's, it's something that we'll see more of going forward. This is from Jim and Boardman. Hey, Mary Kay, how tempting would it be for the Browns to draft a stud offensive lineman like Charles Cross or Trevor Penning at 13 if they're available, even though we don't need them to start this year? Uh, the mock draft consensus, Charles Cross is an offensive tackle from Mississippi State. He's number seven in the mock draft consensus right now. And Trevor Penning, he's more of a small school guy from northern Iowa, also an offensive tackle. He's at 25. What do you think about this idea, Mary Kay? Like there's an awesome offensive lineman there. Just if he's the best player, take him. You know what? I'm going to say no on that. Uh, just because the way that they're going to have their board set up, I feel like they've made such an investment already in their offensive line right now, especially with what they're paying their two guards. And then they drafted Jed Wills at number 10 overall. They're keeping him at left tackle. Uh, they re-upped and restructured Jack Conklin. Uh, they're a little bit unsure, I think, what they're doing at center, but I'm not feeling that right now. I just, I feel like they have gone down that road. They put their money there and I think it's time for them to move on and work on other positions there. Uh, specifically, of course, receiver. And then maybe right after that defensive line and the talent lines up with what they need, the, the strength of those positions lines up with their needs this year. I'm glad you said that. So we didn't have to have a fight about that because like they've invested, they've invested so much in the offensive line, their roster would get out of kilter right? with the money they're paying the guards using the number 10 pick in the draft on Jedrick Wills jr. Two years ago, signing Jack Conklin to the, the huge right tackle deal. At, at some point you only have a limited number of draft and monetary resources and you've got to spread them out and they have other parts of the garden where they need to sprinkle some seeds and get a can of water over there. The offensive line's growing nice. They like, they, they don't, you don't need that. Even if, you know, Tyler Linderbaum is a guy as an interior offensive lineman that the whole league's in love with. It's like, great. The Browns have two of those. Mm -hmm. They don't need one of those. And I don't care how good they are. That's just not where they're going to go. Hey, Mary Kay from Eric in the two one six. Do you think the Browns will draft a quarterback in the middle rounds? We had a discussion about this on the Monday podcast. Scott Patsko came away from the combine thinking, eh, I thought maybe they needed to pick a quarterback. No, I'm not so sure. Um, where are you on this, Mary Kay? The idea of they haven't drafted a quarterback since Baker. Should they take a flyer on a guy in four, five, six, seven? You know what? I don't see the wisdom in drafting a quarterback just for the sake of taking a quarterback. Uh, you know, if, if there's one there that they feel is a good developmental project, that or prospect that fell to them in the middle rounds and they see somebody that they can develop over the next few years and they are intrigued by it, then 
I, I would definitely go ahead and do it. But I don't necessarily subscribe to the Ron Wolf theory that you need to like draft a quarterback every year. I just, I don't, I, I, I don't understand that really. I mean, I, I think that um, unless you see, really see something in the, in the player, I don't know why you need to do that. You can find those kinds of guys in free agency. You can add them to your practice squad. You can trade for them. Uh, only draft a quarterback if there's something that you really love about that guy. So I had mentioned Bailey Zappi as maybe, I, I think he's more like a third round guy. He's not really middle round guy on the Monday pod. The only other guy just looking through the list. I mean, sometimes it's amazing. Mary Kate's like Dak Prescott went in the fourth round. Dak mm-hmm. Prescott was like winning games in the sec at a high level. You'd look at the list of other quarterbacks in this draft and having, you know, covered college football. There is not really anybody who's jumping out to me. That's like, Oh, that would be an interesting sixth round guy. The only guy that, and it follows sort of what we think about this front office, EJ Perry from Brown, Showed off a pretty good arm at the combine. He's a Boston College transfer who's played in the Ivy League the last two years. It's like, would it be too much, you know, stereotypical of this front office? All we talk about is the Ivy League stuff to draft an Ivy League quarterback. He's at least a little interesting to me. I mean, do you roll the dice on a, on an Ivy League quarterback in the sixth round? Just like uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was a Harvard quarterback. I don't know. But some of these other bigger guys, big name guys, big program guys, I'm just like, I'm not that impressed with. And I'm not super excited uh, for the Browns to take a run at some guys like that. All right, let's talk kicker. Hey, Mary Kay. This is uh, Bill in Alaska. Do you think the Browns will take a run at Young Ho Koo, the place kicker for Atlanta? He's been one of the best guys the last couple of years. So listen, there's a couple guys out there. I think Nick Folk from New England is another veteran who's out there. There's a yeah. couple veteran kickers. There's a couple draft kickers. Do you, Mary Kay, have a general preference? I always, I'm very much like, let's get off the scrap heap kickers. But if they're going to get an established guy, would you rather try to see them get a guy in the draft? Would you rather see them try to get a guy in free agency? How do you think they should approach the kicker position this offseason? Well, some of the kickers that seem like they are going to hit the market and be available, such as the Falcons uh, kicker that, uh, that our reader asked about, I mean, those guys might not actually get to the market. And that's because I think you could see in the playoffs this year how vitally important it was to have a good kicker. Now, all of a sudden, it's an it position and everybody wants a good one. Uh, So they will be in demand. Those are premium spots right now uh, because of how close the games are and how important it is and how it changes your strategy when you have a money kicker that can hit that 50 plus kick for you at any time. So um, so therefore, uh, I think the Browns should do whatever they can. Uh, to get their hands on the best kicker that they can in free agency, but there might not be many available when all is said and done. Therefore, I would be all for them drafting a kicker. And Doug, you spent time with the kickers at the combine, got to know some of them, really delved into that a little bit, which is great. You were one of the only people doing that, but that's very cool because you know how important that's going to be to the Browns this year. And it was late in the, in, in the combine and most of us were gone by then too. Uh, but you stuck around for that. So good for you. Thank you. And, um, and I think that I don't, I wouldn't care how high the Browns draft a kicker. I mean, draft one in the third round, use that comp pick late in the third round. If you have to, if there's an Evan McPherson type of guy available, Uh, but whatever the case may be, they need to have better special teams in 2022. And it pretty much starts with that kicker. I am going to use all the capital that I have built up in 18 years of being a sports writer in Ohio to make the Browns draft Cade York. 
I'm going to do it for the fans. So I will continue to work on that. Just like you're, yeah, yeah. Malik Willis, you're Malik. Uh, Kate York, <laughs> Kate York is to Doug as Malik Willis is to Mary Kay. So we will work on that. Let's do, this is a positional thing. And I do think you can get in trouble in the draft if you go too heavy positionally from the eight four three. Hey, Mary Kay, my question for you. With the first six picks in rounds one through four, which positions would you expect the Browns to pick? So, we, you know, early draft, are the positions they are targeting, Mary Kay, the key, are there a couple positions where you think, you know, those early rounds, they've got to come away with guys at a couple of these spots? I would think so. I would say that you have to come away with at least one starting caliber receiver, either in the first, maybe second round. But ideally, I think they would like that to be the first. Um, so first round receiver, uh, we've talked a lot about uh, defensive end pass rusher. You, I think they need another really good rusher. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be edge. It can be an interior rusher. Uh, but I would think maybe edge would be a higher priority than that. And then uh, after that, I, I would think that if you're talking about the first four rounds, I'd probably go kicker in there somewhere. Why not? Teams are going to be after those kickers this year. So if you have to spend, once again, as I mentioned, your third round comp pick 103 or 104 or whatever it is on a kicker, go ahead and do it. Or maybe your fourth round. Um, so, you know, that's something I would definitely think about. And then um, it seems like defensive backs are always, it's a premium position. Uh, it's good to uh, keep adding to the pile. Ronnie Harrison, I, I, highly doubt we'll be back. I think they're going to let him walk in free agency. So you have an opportunity to add another safety there. Uh, so that's another position I would look at. I think I agree with that. There's a, there's a safety that I I'm interested in now as like a third or fourth round guy who fits the model of the Browns drafting guys who are like five-star recruits going into college and maybe who didn't quite hit all the way in college. Cause some things happens, Bubba Bolden from Miami. And again, I'm not like some outlier on this. He's an interesting guy. Uh, I'm going to be writing about him. I talked to him at the combine too, but I agree with everything you said there, Mary Kay. We'll take a last quick break, come back a couple receiver questions next on Hey, Mary Kay. Back with Hey, Mary Kay on the orange Brown talk podcast. We do have a, re a receiver question from Jordan in Raleigh, but Jordan, I'm going to, I'm going to combine that question with Jim in North Canton. And it's just like what the Browns are thinking from the three, three Oh, Jim says, who do you think is the top receiver on the Browns board? And I'm going to, I don't know how Jim meant it, Mary Kay, but I would like on their free agency board and on their draft board. Do you think there is, is somebody that is of particular interest to them or trade board, right? I mean, a guy who's in the league, I'm as interested in your answer on that as I am on the draft guy. Cause we're, you know, we talk about Garrett Wilson all the time. Who do you think was, was way up there for their priorities at receiver? Well, you know, I mean, I think that that Chris Godwin would probably be way up there. Uh, you know, I, I think that he's somebody that they would would really be interested in uh, for all the things that he can do. Of course, he's going to be coming off of a surgery. Uh, so that's something that you have to factor in. And I think that the uh, the Bucks are, are probably going to look to to try to keep him. And then, um, you know, I would think that they would be interested in, in Amari Cooper. Uh, you know, he's not going to come cheap, but you're talking about a very accomplished four-time Pro Bowl receiver. Uh, so I, I would think that they would toss their hat into the ring for him. And then Christian Kirk, I think he's he's a, a really intriguing prospect too. 
the, you know, the Cardinals receiver, he can play inside, he can play out. He's more, he would be more of a Jarvis Landry type of replacement. I would think he's played a lot in the slot, uh, but he can do both. So uh, those are some names I think that, you know, that are probably at the top of their list from a veteran standpoint. And then on, on the top of the board, I mean, Doug, your guy, I think he's right up there. I know they're interested in him. Okay. I really know that they, in, and, and how could they not be interested in Garrett Wilson? So they are interested in him. And I think he fits the profile and the mold of what they're looking for, but maybe not at number 13, but I also think maybe a Chris Olave, you know, I think that they would have to be intrigued by him as well. Uh, and that's sort of the type that I feel like they probably have in mind. And you didn't, you don't, don't say Garrett Wilson just because of me, Mary Kay. I don't, I don't want to force my no. opinion on people, no, but I think you believe, it, you believe it too. And you've checked with people and that's, yes. that's real. That's not just like some guy who comes from Ohio state's about that's, that. that's real. That's real. Mm-hmm. That's real. When funny. I say it, when I say it, don't listen to me, everybody. But when Mary Kay says it, then it's real. <laughs> that's why it's, Hey, Mary Kay, last one. Really smart from Jim and Boardman again from the three three zero. I can see how the Browns can be comfortable with Baker Mayfield in 2022, but how much do they need to think about 2023 at quarterback during this offseason. We can't go into 2023 with the stacked roster, but no real option at quarterback. I just think this is such an interesting conversation, Mary Kay, because the Browns want to support Baker Mayfield. They want him to be great. They want him to be the guy. They want him to be the long-term answer. But there is a worst-case scenario here that goes beyond 2022 maybe falling apart because something happens with Baker the idea that he wouldn't be back, he plays out his option in the year five, and then they get to 2023, and they don't have any real option on the roster, I think is really scary. Because now you're in desperation mode. Now you have to do something with the veteran. That you, Now the ball's not in your court, the ball's in their court. You get played by teams, you get played by agents, you get hung out, you get put over a barrel in trade discussions, or you get desperate in the draft, and now all of a sudden you've got to move up. You've got to go get your guy. And then you've got to play that rookie. So that's why, like, I think if you brought in, for instance, a veteran hedge now for Baker Mayfield, then if it doesn't work out with Baker, then that might be the starter in 2023 to help get you to the next answer. Do you think they are thinking about 2023 quarterback now? And are you as, I don't know, on edge about this idea as I am? Because I think Jim is really smart with the question here, Mary Kay. You know, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And Andrew Barry, and as I mentioned before, this very, very smart front office and regime, of course they're thinking about down the road. They didn't want to have to be thinking about down the road at quarterback. They wanted to be thinking about extension for Baker Mayfield at this point. Nobody thought that he was going to go into the tank in 2021 the way that he did. And they are hoping against hope that it had so much to do with the shoulder injury, I mean, they don't put as much uh, stock into that as maybe some other people do, but uh, they're hoping that enough of a chunk of it was the shoulder injury. And then another ch- enough of a chunk of it was the bad receiving core. And another chunk of it was injuries to tackles and injuries to Kareem Hunt, that if you put all that together and make it better, that they're not going to be in quarterback hell after this season. So they better hope that they're right. And I can see that, you know, 25% of this, 25% of that, and 25% of this, that you should get a much, much better Baker Mayfield. But they have to be thinking about what if it doesn't work out that right that way, because some of the issues have to do with processing. Some of his issues are defenses and not maybe going to the exact right place with the football when he's supposed to go there. 
So that has got to get better. That's got to get better. And if for some reason it doesn't, and it hamstrings him again in 2022, they are going to be looking for a new quarterback. And you don't want to leave yourself high and dry. And it is a risky proposition. So I would be in favor of, I mean, I I mentioned, you know, trying to sign a Mitch Trubisky as a backup to Baker Mayfield or as competition for Baker Mayfield. Why not? I mean, why not? You'd have to throw a lot of money at it. Uh, you, you would, because this year he is going to be in demand as a starting quarterback. And if he gets a multi-year contract and it's you know worth double-digit millions, then the Browns might not want to do that because they're not sure he's their long-term answer. So that might not work out. Uh, so they're probably going to have to find, uh, I don't know. I don't know what their plan is, but they do have to be thinking about 2023 and either if they, if they don't think that Case Keenum is going to be the, the right choice to have on the, the roster as a backup this year, maybe you go for another one of those veterans that we've talked about. But the pickings are slim. The pickings are very slim. And I don't know if they're going to be able to find someone to come in and sort of be that plan B option. But I think the notion of going Baker Mayfield, Case Keenum, and Nick Mullins again, or whoever the third guy is, uh, could take you into dangerous territory in 2023. And look, they, they don't hope to be picking at number 13 next year. Right. They want to have a winning record next year. So to think that you're going to get the quarter, the you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the draft next year, I mean, the chances of, of that are, are not very good unless you uh, trade up really high to get it. So I do think a guy like Teddy Bridgewater is interesting. If you brought him in now, he's plan B in 2022, knowing you think to yourself, if it goes wrong with Baker, he could be plan A in 2023 to get us to the next plan A. So that if you draft somebody in 2023, you don't have to throw them in or you're not quite as desperate. I do think you, you, you're right. I'm sure they have it in their head, but they have to. And it's not the exact same thing. The guy who's the hedge on Baker in 2022, that's not exactly the same thing as being like, we want a guy on the roster who we think could start in 2023 if something goes wrong. It's really a complicated process. And as you said, Mary Kay, there's not a gazillion guys out there who would check both those boxes for them. So this is where Andrew Barry's got to do some work, right? This is this is a real test of a general manager here. It really is. I think that, uh, yes, I think he's going to earn his money this offseason and into next year with this decision. You have got to have the quarterback. You've got to have the quarterback. And uh, there's a delicate balance going on on the football team right now. There's a defense that wants to win right now. You've got a very strong personality in Miles Garrett who wants to win right now. And he's very vocal and he's telling it like it is about what he thinks should be happening. And guys like that are not going to sit back and accept inferior quarterback play. So this decision is going to have to be made fairly soon. And it's going to going to have to be a good one. And, um, and, and you're right. This is Andrew is at a crossroads and we're going to see what he's all about. Great questions from our Browns insiders. If you want to join and get everything. You get access to all the stories at cleveland.com. You get the texts about the Browns, analysis, news, everything Mary Kay thinks, and Dan and Scott and Ashley right in your phone. You want the little extra nugget, the extra little story that only goes to Browns insiders. Go to cleveland.com slash Browns right now. It's a blue banner top of the page. You click that. It's great to do it in season, but in season, like, oh, stuff's flying everywhere. The Browns are about to reshape themselves. This is going to determine what the fall is going to be like. Get in now. 
think, ah, it's the offseason. This is when you want it. This is when you need it. Free agency is going to start up. Free agency is going to be crazy next week. Mary Kay Cabot's going to be all over it, unlike anybody else who covers the Browns. And then we're going to be analyzing this, and you're going to get it in the text first. Get access to every Brown story. How could you miss a Brown story right now? Because then as soon as free agency is over, then we got like a month or five weeks left till the draft, which is huge. Get in now. I'm just, I'm not just blowing smoke. I think if you like the Browns, if you're listening to this, you'll like it. Cleveland.com slash Browns. Click on the blue banner, get signed up. Mary Kay, thanks for your knowledge as always. Thanks to you guys for sending great texts and asking great questions. For Mary Kay, I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Hey Mary Kay on their Orange and Brown Talk podcast. <laughs>